Oh, hello, everyone. Oh, didn't see you there. <laughs> Welcome to Rolling a Disadvantage, the D&D podcast where we won't be playing D&D. As always, I'm your host, Tyler. I am Till Still, I think. It's been a long our, time. RWD is our podcast where we argue, debate, and scream into the void. I said 2021. About various aspects of D&D 5th edition. Feel free to join the conversation by tweeting us at RWD podcast. It's going to be a long get time without screams. Yeah, no, that's good. It's good. I think that, I think the breath with which we are all waiting is, is going to come loose sooner than later. Well, I've, I, you know, we talked about the new year and stuff last time. Mm-hmm. I don't think anything's going to be different, honestly. Every year, everybody's like, oh, new year, great. And it's always awful. So, but I think next year at some point will be exceptionally different. What does that mean? It, something next year is going to be a big year in some way, it, it, whether it's you know for good or for ill. Yeah, yeah, exactly. No matter what, this is going to be a much different world come next year. Everybody's just going to have that song. I need a hero on repeat Dude, all the time. Love that song. Who sings Johnny that song? Five? That's Bonnie Raitt, I believe. Okay. No, that doesn't sound right. Song. I need a hero. Bonnie Tyler. Bonnie Tyler. Bonnie Tyler. There it is. Wrong Bonnie. I apologize. Bonnie Tyler. I think she's still alive. But I will always remember that song from the movie uh, Short Circuit 2. Short, not Short Circuit. No. Not, not Short, <laughs> not short Circuit robot 1. Not comedy parody. Hey, now, no, Short wait. Circuit 2. Love Short Circuit 1. But in my opinion, that movie was more about Steve Gutenberg and not about Johnny Number Five, whereas the sequel was all Johnny Number Five. Meet Moop, Meet Moop. Johnny Five is alive. God, I love that movie. I actually don't think I've seen any part of Short Circuit since I was a child. Dude, dude, I you know what? I'm gonna watch that movie tonight. So I'm well, gonna good do. for you. I love encourage you to do so. Um. I don't think there are any robots in our first destination today. Oh, no, wait. We'll actually be playing D&D that night. So the night before. I thought you said tonight. Yeah. Tonight when this comes out. Oh, when this comes out. Well, when we're recording it, you can do it. Yeah. Um, there are no robots in Ravnica. You say that, but are you 100% positive there that's are, true? There are steampunk elements in Ravnica. Yeah, there are there are definite uh, constructs. Um in the world of Ravnica, as brought to us by the wonderful people at Magic the Gathering. Well, that's Wizards of the Coast. Magic the Gathering. So, um, today's Ravnica and Theros, both Magic the Gathering inspired. A lot of my knowledge about Ravnica comes from that. Um, and Magic the Gathering, for since its inception, has had golems, right? Which are mm-hmm. basically constructs. Mm-hmm. And since the first... Uh, it might not be the first. Since the first published stories about Urza and his brother, they were making constructs. They were mm-hmm. artificers. It was mm. called the, the Brothers' War. It was about like the first planeswalker, the first spellcaster to traverse the planes with Urza. He, he as a as a ch- as a young man made robots that were powered by magical crystals, but they made robots. So D- so magic has always had pseudo-robot-esque things. That's because 
why would somebody that's weak not create something hardy like a fucking robot? Are you saying Urza was weak? I'm saying that any spellcaster, by their very nature, is physically weak. Er, uh, er, I just gotta tell you, Urza and his brother Mishra. I it's a it's a good book. I went back and I reread it when I was like 22 or something. It's still a pretty good book. It's written fine. The story is really really great though because 99 percent of the story doesn't have any magic. It's a it's a war where they literally powering these machines, dragon engines, golems, ornithopters, you know, everything is just powered by these arcane crystals that so they, they they mine them. They haven't like figured out a way to power them. And then at the very end, Urza basically ends the world with magic, becomes a planeswalker and just leaves like Dr. Manhattan. I am amazed that you can remember anything about any book that you had read before Wheel, Wheel of Time. time? I have to tell you, I've probably in my life read this book, The Brothers War, and subsequent books maybe four or five times. There you go. Like a lot of times. It was times. it was my favorite magic book when I was reading magic books as a teen preteen. Let's go. see. Hold on. The Brothers War book. This is published. Published in nineteen ninety eight. I probably read go. it I probably read it a year or two after that for the first time. And inspired my love. I've I read so many Magic the Gathering books. So many. Did you initially pick it up expecting it to be like an autobiography or something? No, I, it was a Magic book. I played Magic. I I played Magic the Gathering when I was probably eight or nine. So you didn't expect it to be about you and your life. Okay. I was no, just I, wondering. No, <laughs> no, I knew what this was because I knew who Urza was, right? Mm-hmm. And then Jeff Grubb, the author, I've read so many of his books because I thought it was good. But Ravnica, so, I've never read any books about Ravnica. Nor I, but uh, I, from just my I, a brief foray into magic once upon a time, I do remember the, the guilds of Ravnica because that was the big thing. You know, and we've talked about both of the things we're talking about, say, Ravnica and Theros. We've talked about both of them in the past, but we talked about it from purely a character creation standpoint. This is about the world of Ravnica and Theros, as we've been talking about with our campaign settings. Yes, not so much a technical survey. Yeah. So uh, the two the two terms that I always see uh, when I was doing research thrown around about Ravnica is that it was a ground up build. They used they said, this is our unique idea and we're going to build everything around this unique idea. Whereas Theros was a top-down. They said, this is Greek mythology-based. We're going to just change it to make it I, ours. I agree. I can see that. Ravnica is a pretty unique concept with some familiar you know, structure in it. Um, but as far as Magic the Gathering goes, up to that point, a very unique concept. Yes. So Ravnica itself uh, is both the realm and it's the planet ravnica combines both it's and one the entire planet is one giant city exactly it's, isn't there isn't there a movie to that effect or a book city of a thousand planets um maybe but uh in ravnica everything is based off of the guilds there are Marian 10 guilds that decide everything that happens in the world and they all have their own kind of function in the balance of the world you know law order good evil etc etc chaos nature yeah, decay, exactly. barbarism. so there's the azoria senate 
the Boros Legion, House Demir, the Golgari Swarm, name the Gruul Clans, the Izzet League, the Orzhov Syndicate, the Cult of Rakdos, the Celestnia Conclave, and the Simic Combine. Do you remember the colors for them? I mean, I'm looking at them all. Oh, well, then never mind. <laughs> I actually remember some of the colors. I remember they were all two colors. I would have been so. able to tell you a couple of them, like Rakdos, Black Red, because yeah. it's, that's chaos, evil. They are like street gang, you know, mischief makers. Like, that's the thing. They're a but cult. E They're each of those, cult. the names of them is um, from a person or an entity. Mm hmm like Rakdos is a is a demon. Is a demon, yes. Right. Yes, like they, they're they're based off somebody. I don't think they're all alive. The Simic, all named the Simic are a race of of like genetically engineered. Yes. Things. Made by the Vidalkins. Oh, the Vidalkins. So they they do a good job of doing the magic color combinations. Like mm -hmm. the Azoria Senate, blue, white, all about law, order, control. Right. Yes. Um, as opposed to like the gruel people, barbaric strength, savagery, like that's their thing. Yes. Which always made sense to me because in the first expansion of the World of Warcraft game, Burning Crusade, one of the first raid bosses was gruel, which was this enormous, enormous thing that you had to fight Cyclops looking thing. That's exactly what he was. Always made sense to me. Mm -hmm. um, so this lends itself to a great structure for a campaign. Because it's very predictable. Yes. Like, oh, my character is going to go interact with the Simic. Mm -hmm. I pretty much know what to expect. Yes. Um, and I think that the reason that Ravnica was the first uh, MTG world they brought into D&D &D is because D&D &D in general, and the creators of D&D, &D, very much like to have um their factions their orders their guilds for players to pick from because it makes the player's life and the dm's life much easier because it gives you a built-in system by which to do things so you know you'll notice in the adventures league there when you make a character you have the choice to join five different factions which will help you decide what your character does they do this in a lot of their books, and I think especially in Ravnica because of the way that the world was initially set up, to push story on people. Yeah, it saves you the struggle of backstory. Yes. And it gets you straight into the straight into the, the meat of the meal by by putting you in one of these things. Mm -hmm. Like, oh well, I'm from I'm from Boros Legion. Uh, you know, we are the soldiers, the whole thing. Easy, super easy to come up with a backstory. Who, what kind of person you are, your relationship to other guilds, right? Exactly. It gives you not only friends but enemies. Right, it lets you know who the bad guys are. And the beautiful thing about it being faction based is that it's no longer a racial thing. It's no longer a species thing. It's no longer I'm an elf. I hate orcs. It's I'm in the Boros Legion. I hate the cult of Rakdos. Well, there are there are some racial specific ones like Rakdos has the demons, right? Yeah, yeah. And but, Simic has the Chimera, basically, the people but, that are put together. Yes, but but anyone really can be a part of these groups. Yes, there are definite. Again, with anything in D anD D, there are things that lean more towards it, but anyone can join any of them. I think that's probably 
uh, a, a good structure to have like your benefits and your bonuses are background related, right? Mm -hmm. In this case, because the whole Ravnica world is really, really old. Your racial disparities might have flattened out more or less in that time since the planet and the city and the whatever is so fucking old. Yes. And you all just become, you become, your guild is your identity. Now, you know, does that make for good d and I don't know. It makes for uh, simple D&D, direct D&D. Well, that's the thing. If the city is the world, there's you can't get out of the city. <laughs> yeah. So it's a metropolitan yeah. campaign. You have to play in their lane. You know, you got to follow the rules or join a group that doesn't like the rules and then go do your own thing. But even still, you're in this world. You're part of this world. There is no leaving it. There's no Does, like. Do you have anything that shows how big the world is? Uh, Ravnica size. I don't yeah, know. I, I know the size of Theros. Theros. Um, big is Ravnica really? Some the internet says very small. I would imagine since it's just one city, like it says less than 500 square miles. Oh, most okay. People, wow. Most people agree that it's less than 500 square miles, which is tiny. Very small. So the rest of the world must exist in some way. No one's. Found I, I haven't it yet? looked at this campaign book enough to really to do this. I, I should. I'm going to go pull it up right now. Actually, well, the campaign book doesn't tell you about how big the world. But the world is outside the city. Um. I mean, I've read the book. I don't remember seeing anything about life outside. Dungeons and Dragons Fifth Edition. Would this be under core. It's a source book. Ravnica. Guildmaster's Guide to Ravnica. Pidif. Because that's my question is what's outside of Ravnica? And I'm sure listeners know this, of course. Um, but I I I am guilty of a lack of knowledge here. I mean, no, I don't think so. They've got their precincts, they've got their underdark ish thing called uh, I think it's what, the Undercity. Um and then everything's yeah broken up into precincts. I don't know of anything outside the world. Uh, it's all water, just just water, and no one lives in it. It's it's a it's a giant dead sea. There you go. Well, if I'm looking at a Ravnica map here, they're all maps of the city, obviously, mm -hmm. which you know makes sense. Ravnica inspired map. There's got to be other places that just aren't the city that aren't listed here. And I, I would hope that if you're using this, right, that it is, that you can get out of the city. Right? Uh, Beyond the core are an uncounted number of other districts, which originated as outlying cities that gradually melded into the expanding metropolis. Uh, well-known districts outside the core include the Smelting District and Jezeru, the Lake District. So there are, I guess, but they've kind of like just become part of the city. So I think the D&D Ravnica has got to be bigger than the Magic Ravnica. Does it? Because they, they're very specific. In the Guildmaster's Guide to Ravnica book, 
Ravnica is a vast city covering the entirety of the world and many layers of construction from deep sewers and catacombs to sky-raking spires. No single map can encompass the tremendous scope of its sprawl and its borders, if it has any, are unknown, except possibly to those who live near the edges. Okay. So your adventure could take you to uncharted territory. Yeah, of Ravnica, go find the next district or whatever. But that, that sentence, that, that paragraph makes it seem vast, much vaster and it's and its scope and its scale is um unknown like nobody you know say say, say you're a new yorker mm-hmm. you've got five boroughs you maybe visit two or three of them and any on any year like you don't go to the other ones because there's no reason to imagine that to the nth degree you live mm-hmm. in ravnica you visit districts one and two or precincts one and two so you have no fucking clue You've never cared to find out what's near the edges of Ravnica. So maybe like the main core of the city is 500 square miles, but the rest of it, I'm going to assume is it's truly planet wide and is enormous. So New York city isn't New York city 500 square miles. Manhattan. Mm, I don't think so. How many 22. Manhattan is 22. If I include the other boroughs, it's probably New York. New York, let's see. How many square miles with an estimate? uh, It says uh, 302.6 square miles for New York City. The city or the state? It says New York City. Okay, that's including including all the boroughs. Okay, 300. So it's bigger than New York, but not much. Ravnica is New York. Yeah. I think we can use New York. The reason nobody goes beyond it is because the rest of the world is New Jersey. So. (laughs) <laughs> and i can tell you new jersey sucks sorry listeners go. i lived in new jersey for a couple of years i didn't like it <laughs> you don't like a lot of things though so let's be yes, fair but i did re- i did leave and choose somewhere else to live when i've lived i've lived here longer than new jersey so um it's cheaper to live here what was oh uh the one thing i do like about ravnica is that it gives us a whole bunch of different languages for D. Uh, so you have, you know, your common abyssal and slush and all that, but then you get crawl and loxidin and, uh, Videlkin. Um, there's various goblin languages. Uh, I, I, I think it's cool. I enjoy it a great deal. Cause I like, I like having different languages cause then it gives like players. Yeah. It gives yeah. players the opportunity to have, uh, kind of like a private conversation every once in a while. Well, it also gives the, you the opportunity to encounter if you're a human encounter another human and you don't know what they're saying yeah right there's a there's a it shows a depth and breadth of the world i'm from the eastern half of ravnica i go to the western half and it's like it's like they're speaking another language because they might be Mm -hmm. now i'm going to point out something very important go ahead on page eight still on page eight ravnica's calendar (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Ravnica's, Ravnica has a Gregorian calendar it's 365 days with 12 months there we go simple the, straightforward the names of the months are stupid as fuck except we've already one we've of, talked many times about how just naming things are hard I know um, and they're I'm gonna I'm only gonna list a few of them because <clears throat> they're stupid go ahead Zune I mean, Zune is totally a thing, so... Z-U-U-N. Don't... Well, it's not that stupid. 
That's that's the analog of February. Okay. Zivaskir. Wait, June isn't June? No. Oh my god. June is Makosh. Well, you know, June does feel like Makosh, so that makes sense. So the best month name here is the analog of September is Tevnember. Oh, that that's not good. I don't like that. Fantastic month name. Tevnember? Come on. But it's not See, that would make sense if that was October cuz then it's kind of like the 10th well, month, it's Tevnember. Tevnember. Golgar, being, which is like the they're they're based kind of on the guild, you know, verbiage. Um, yeah. but it has a calendar. That's my standard. The world has a calendar. Great, it's perfect, it's beautiful. Uh, um, also has a very extensive uh deity based system because of all the different guilds, they all have different gods, and so there's there's a lot. I don't even know if they list them in the book, but there are a lot of Ravnica based religions. So, from your point of view, what would be the upside of playing in Ravnica? Um, if you are looking for an urban sprawl campaign, that's, that's the only place that, in my opinion, you'll really get something like that. Like there's, there's big cities in D and D and other places, but there is no bigger single city than Ravnica. And so if you're looking to be urban, could be, there could be sewers. Yeah, exactly. Like, like if you're trying to play that urchin character, this is where the urchin thrives. You know, the assassin, the urchin, the charismatic, you know, bard. Yeah, swashbuckler. They do well here. You know, this is their, this is it. This is the place. Or if you want to play, what what Ravnica makes me think of is a mega city, like in Judge Dredd. Just this massive place, and you can be that part of the Boros Legionnaire that just, you're the Judge Dredd. You just keep fucking law and order at all costs. Oh, that'd be so much fun to play. I think um, any any archetype can fit into a guild, so any character can work here. But I feel like for an urban campaign, some work better than others. Yeah, unless you stretch your imagination a little. An urban druid is a very different druid. You're like, oh, I gotta keep this tree alive. Oh, I gotta keep this tree alive. Well, that's oh, my man. point. Is it's not even about keeping trees alive. It's about finding and cultivating the nature, the nature of Ravnica. So again, if we're using New York City as an analog, um, and I'm a druid in New York City. I am cultivating and keeping alive pigeons, trees, squirrels, rats, right? I'm uh-huh. a totally different kind of druid than a druid out in the Grand Canyon, you know? Um, you know, other backgrounds that just don't make sense, you know, like an outlander. They're not really... You, unless you're coming in from the wastes outside of town. Well, no, if you're coming from one part of Ravnica to the other. Then you're a far traveler. Okay. <laughs> sailor i don't know i don't know what the coastal aspects of this city are like does the river run through the underneath i don't know maybe maybe um so yeah, i, think, I get yeah, water from somewhere urban campaign there's good there's there are um you ever run an urban campaign we've tried i have never done a full one no yeah there are adventure hooks in this book for guild-based adventures and urban-based adventures so like they're all available in the Guildmaster's guide to ravnica if you want it um basically choose your guild and there's plenty of stuff for you to try mm-hmm. um but i actually think we i think we i might do this in the future like i'm kind of intrigued running an urban campaign or running a ravnica command i'm kind campaign. of intrigued by the guild thing like those adventures would be very different yes very different yes yes it's not it's almost not your play style like you're very Right. open-ended 
You, right. you hate telling us what to do. I, I got to start doing that more, though. You do. Or just giving um, us clearer instructions. I don't know. I don't want to. Okay. Okay. I think that's enough about Ravnica. I mean, there's, there's plenty more for us to say, obviously, um, but we, you should just, just read the book, people. Yes, and play I think magic. a lot of that, again, stems back to the idea that Ravnica is a completely unique world. There's nothing else really like it. Uh, I feel like our next topic will go much quicker because we have plenty to draw from in history on it. So let's get to that. All right, we'll be right back. And we're back. Okay, so I meant to bring up, because I'm curious of this, mm -hmm. in one of these MTG settings. We talked last week and the week before about named characters in a setting. Ravnica and Theros, where we're going to be here now, have Planeswalkers. Yes. The most powerful named characters in the realm, in the world, on the plane, on the planet. And they are very specific people. Um, excuse me. Woo! In Ravnica, Jace, Niv-Mizzet, those people, they exist. They're there doing their own thing. Now, they're not as powerful as old-timey planeswalkers, like I mentioned Urza and Teferi and those people, but they're still super powerful. Now, they, from d and I don't believe any of them are in it. I don't think any planeswalkers yeah, are in the book. Did they just like skip that part? Like, yeah, nah, we'll, we'll just we'll deal yeah, with them pla later. Planeswalkers are a Magic the Gathering thing. They are not a and d thing. I don't think they're ever going to bring them in. Like, I think that you could say I worship one of them as a deity, or they could be a warlock patron, maybe. That'd be great. Ooh, that'd be fun. Yeah, but uh, no, I don't see them being an official thing in Dungeons & Dragons. I think that's something they specifically wanted to separate out between the two things. I got you. Ready? Go. I introduced Planeswalkers to d d It's very, very simple. You Go. do a campaign in Ravnica. You become very powerful. You teleport to Theros. Okay. Yeah, I mean... Now, yeah, I you're mean, a Planeswalker by default, and you're in a very unusual place compared to where you've been your entire life. Yeah, I mean, I think that'd be a great campaign, like especially Ravnica at early levels. Then you go out into the world, and suddenly the world's so much bigger... And you're now in Theros, which is this massive place comparatively. You know what they call that? They call that a fish out of water. I feel like they just call that D and D mostly, but yeah. Yes, Theros is. Uh, Theros is basically the size of the the bottom half of Italy. It's like forty thousand square miles. Yeah, and the thing I like about uh, Theros, any map you look at, it looks like it's definitely attached to something bigger. Yes, which I enjoy because there is a sea. To the west that nobody goes. There's a forest to the east that nobody goes. It's it's quintessential Greco-Roman Hellenistic, you know, fantasy. The Greeks came up with all those stories having never really gone anywhere. Mm -hmm, exactly. They lived the Mediterranean. That that was it. This is if where you, we were. If you can't see it, it's the edge of the world, and something bad's there. And the Romans had gone they'd conquered so much farther than that and still were like you know what we're gonna use those stories we're they're pretty use... good stories yeah the, like there's they're they're good enough based in this tiny little tiny little plot of land so why even bother expanding it so this is essentially set in like a deliberately myopic tiny window because 
it was, it already had enough rich fantasy. You didn't need to do more. Which is like the same thing with, uh, you know, the, the, the real world Bible. All the events take place in a very, very tiny circle on planet Earth. But it says mm-hmm. so much. There's so much that goddamn book, unless you're one of those folks that think Jesus came to the new world and talked to the natives. I like that you just called the Bible the goddamn book. That's really, like, you know, blasphemous, and I enjoy it. I don't think that um, the Abrahamic deity would actually appreciate the Bible as it exists today. I don't dispute that. He's yeah. much more, you know, plagues and be, such. I think he'd be against the, the, the text. The happiness. Like, Wait a minute. Wait a minute. A bunch of humans wrote down what I think? Fuck you. <laughs> no. No. So, no. <laughs> Theros, I, I found this great quote um, from uh, the head uh, uh, MTG designer, Mark Rosewater, or Morrow, as he is known in the older MTG world. Um, he said... We were doing a Greek mythology set, so we had to do X. And that X is what created Theros. Literally, all of their decisions were, were based around the Greek mythos and ideas. And you can see it in pretty much every single NPC, monster, adventure hook. It's all very clearly based around Greek myth. Yes. All the deities have they have an existing analog. Yeah, like there is there is a Poseidon type guy. There's a there's a uh, what's his name with the ankle? They dipped him in the water. Achilles. Achilles. There's, yes, thank you. Wow, like there are analogs to essentially every Greco-Roman character that already exists. Monsters. Is, there's there's yes. the underworld Cerberus, the Theron Chimera, Hydra's uh, Leviathans. Yeah, they even have. The uh, the Colossus, the great Colossus of yes. Rhodes, is the Colossus of Akros. You know, that was only like 40 feet tall. Yeah, uh, that doesn't say he's a gargantuan construct. They don't really say well, if he's 40. I mean, the now. actual Colossus of Rhodes, the, yeah. the structure that existed on planet Earth. Yeah, very big. I guess. I'm pretty sure it was only like 40 feet tall. Oh, no, it was like 100 feet tall. Oh, okay, cool. There you go. Bigger. I mean, still not that impressive, right? At the time, super impressive. I'm reading Consider- all the crazy shit this one can do. Oh, the Colossus? Yeah, it breathes fire. Suck it. It breathes fire. Yep. I would have loved to have existed. I guess not. I would love to visit an ancient historical place and see things like the Colossus of Rhodes or like the pyramids being built, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm getting what you're saying. Because, see, you, you say mm. now, like, oh, it's only 100 feet tall. It's not that big because the Statue of Liberty, she's a small statue. Only 300 feet tall. But at the time, you're sailing a ship. You're sailing a ship into Rhodes, and there's this fucking statue. It's 100 feet tall just watching you. Yep. Like, oh, that's super awesome. That's super cool. Thinking about See, Game of Thrones, what was the what was the islands that had a statue? Um, the bank. Ra- uh, Bravos? Bravos had a... I know what you're saying, a, yeah. And a big old statue. And it was like, you, if you did it in the show, super cool to look at. Um, And I agree. Would be cool, except that all of those were built in terrible ways, as in slaves. Uh, slaves. So I don't think I would want to see it getting built. That feel real bad. But you could stop it. Um, okay. I don't think I uh, could stop the Roman or Greek or Egyptian or any empire. I think I'm just you know I'm not Moses. You know I don't got that. So we have um we have neglected a very important part of Theros, which, which is, is true in D and D and in Magic, in that is they are all Kuatoa. 
<laughs> the the collective energy of Theros is that if enough people believe a thing, it becomes real. That's how all of the deities have come into existence. That's how heaven and the underworld came into existence. Like the collective power of imagination created everything, mm -hmm. which is they're all Kuajoa. That's it. That's the, that's like the greatest power Kuajoa have. And here it is. It, everybody has it in Theros. Well, it very much uh, explains some of their monsters. Um, for example, the, the Doomwake Giant. I don't know if you've ever seen a picture of, of this, this dude, but he is, whoo! He is something to look at. And that's only something that, like, everyone kind of, like, had a different opinion on how it would look, and they just kind of, like, all melded together to make this bad boy. That is a big bad boy. Yeah. That reminds me of the uh, the corpse gatherer. Yeah, kind of, right? If you people haven't Googled D&D 3rd Edition corpse gatherer, you have not seen a great undead yet in your life. Fucking living graveyard. Exactly. Just a living graveyard. Love it. Did you know in the movie Poltergeist, the original, the skeletons at the end are real skeletons? Yes. Yes, I did know this. Because it was cheaper. <laughs> yes, they got them from a like medical supply company. Isn't that amazing? So it's wonderful. It is wonderful. It makes us so much better. Um, so I think that's the big part of Theros is that the the whole fiction of it is it's set by the people, which leads me to a question. If I'm applying Theros to my game, right? We're playing in Theros. Mm -hmm. Can my players start a cult, turn that cult into a religion, create a new god? They can do that in any D&D campaign, but yes, absolutely, unequivocally in this yeah, but there's one, there's a mechanic can. in place in Theros to, to do that. Yes. Right? Yes. What chapter is that? I saw it. Chapter uh, six? The page, it's page five. Dreams of divinity, gods and devotion, the whole thing. Go ahead. Keep going. I'm listening. I just think there's a, there's actual practical roadmap laid out in Theros to do that, whereas in other D&D campaigns, if I wanted to, to make a god, it's not so specific. Whereas it says, you know, a, a single individual can't make a god. It's like a collective unconscious of everyone. So if we, you just have to make somebody popular enough and you can make it into a deity. Now, this says it's on the scale of ages, not moments. So it's going to take a long time. But I could turn my story of, oh, I want to be in a lich into I want to make a god. <laughs> See, and the best thing, I think every... PC is like, I want to be the god. I don't want to make someone else the god. That would be a totally different story. It's like, I want to make a god. I don't want to make anybody. I don't want to make like, I don't want to make you into a god. I want to make a god. So then do you have just a bunch of elvish bards that live a really long time telling the same crazy stories over and over and over again? No, see, what happens is I'm a planeswalker. I bring Warforged from Eberurn over yep. here. Eberurn? Eberurn. And they just live forever. And tell my tale. Correct. And then I come back as a god. Yes, exactly. So it's not you as a god. It's another manifestation of you as a god who has been immortalized through song. I like this. I think this is fun. Now, mechanically... What's, what's Theros... the quote from the Sandlot? Heroes live forever, but legends never die. Sure. I yeah. haven't watched that in a long time. Mechanically, Theros is pretty basic. 
straightforward um, i think is pretty the, straightforward uh, it's it's dnd with a instead of dnd with a steampunk aesthetic it's dnd with a greek aesthetic feels is, much more forgotten realms than anything um there are a lot more divine mechanics and stuff in place mm-hmm. um but I, it's not like Ravnica where it's something crazy wild adventure in a wholly new wild place. It's like, oh, I wanted to play D&D in Greek times. Right? That's, that's almost exclusively it. Um, if you actually, if you have a map of Theros, it kind of even looks like part of the Sword Coast. They, um, There is like some supernatural, was it supernatural gifts that you get so as a character? You, from your god, you get like heroic abilities for worshiping people. So those there are like little things that apply to you as being a character in Theros. But they're they're pretty minor. Like some of the, I mean some of the piety or piety 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 rewards uh definitely are huge, but you get them much later in the game. We right. talked about it a bit, but yeah, there's some big stuff in there. So if I'm just using the the supernatural gifts. They're like feats. Mm-hmm. Heroic destiny. When you're reduced to zero hit points, but not killed outright, you can drop to one hit point instead. Once you use this trait, you can't use it again until you um you finish a long rest. That's okay. The orcs have that, right? Half orcs. Half orcs. Half orcs. But it actually has a better part to this ability, like you have advantage on death saving throws. Very good. Very That's good. Pretty good. But yes. again, all things considered it's only ever going to show up in a very minority of cases. You don't spend most of the game making death saving throws. Hopefully. Whereas like Yanti as a race have a magic resistance. That's probably overpowered. Yep. Gnomes have resistance against inst wisdom charisma saves. That's so good. Like that, that one's not as good as the Yanti one, but still very, very good. Indeed. Um, Um, So these supernatural gifts are, they're like feats in that they do kind of a fun thing. Usually. Um, but not crazy wild. Mm-hmm. Excuse me. Otherwise, I think Theros is pretty straightforward. I think the big thing that Theros does that um, most other D&D campaigns do, but not necessarily to this level, are the uh, nautical adventures. Theros is huge on sailing. Huge, huge, huge on sailing. They yes. have uh, they, they, they have like entire the, um, adventures to, dedicated to you sailing, which was obviously very big in Greece. Yes, like, the, and the Spartans have a, a navy. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Troy had a navy. Mm-hmm. Every city-state had their own navy. I am going to uh, acknowledge the uh, inclusion of LGBT characters in canon in these adventures. Um, just, just on page 15, there's a caption and an image of the first kings of one of these cities. They're 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 in a bro they're in a gay relationship, right? So I'm glad that this I'm glad that their new campaign settings include these things, because um, representation is important. And I know last week I talked about people wanting to be like special and have their evil things be not evil. This is separate from that, right? This is representing people that are real in real life in the content that you're playing. It's like the combat wheelchair. Like we should have a combat wheelchair, probably. And yeah, no reason not to. No, there's no reason not to. This is this is it's important to see yourself in the game you're playing. Um, and that's really easy for you and me, white guys. We're always in the game we're playing, um, but it's important for other else too. So, okay, where am I at? Oh God, my timer stopped. Oh no. 
Well, I think we're out of time. My timer stopped. <laughs> it, I, I also, I think we're close. So yeah. any final thoughts on Theros? I think Theros is relatively, uh, I'm not enthused by Theros. I think it's a great Magic the Gathering setting because like the gods are cool items and they're magical weapons. And like, I think those are cool things. I don't think it's a setting that I want to play D&D in, generally speaking. Yeah, I can concur with that. Um, I like some of the things, but also at the same time, like I, I don't enjoy the idea that it is so um so religiously great. based yeah um like it seems like everyone is even if you're not a cleric or a paladin you kind of are and i don't like that yeah i mean yeah yeah like you could be a fighter war priest you could be uh you know a monk you could be what you know you can there are th options but at the same time i don't like the idea that everything is tied to some sort of godhood yeah it's not really i don't think it's an event i don't think it's a campaign setting i'm going to use so um, okay, if we continue this series in the future, it will be about some other minor things that really don't get played or talked about at all. So, ooh, we'll actually, get... this this brings up the point that uh, the final point that I wanted to make um, during the final part of the epic uh, that D and D ran not long ago. They said that they were coming out. I sent you this article where they're planning on releasing three new campaign settings by 2022, um, and so there's a lot of rumors that they're going to bring back Greyhawk. Dragonlance and the Spelljammer. So I wouldn't be surprised if they were more Magic the Gathering campaign settings. You you may um you'll definitely be hearing from us a lot more on campaign settings, but it may be in the future. Yeah, I think we might put a pin in it given that given that announcement that I did not see. Yeah. Um okay. Uh make sure to subscribe and rate the show wherever you found it. Pick Follow us. us on the Choose Twitter. Us. Love us. Um, you know. My favorite mode of Twitter is to retweet with comment. Feel free to send us topics at rdbdpodcast.gmail.com. Um, and as always, we will see you next time. Till then.